I ain't getting paid for a fed. I mean, I was like, look, there is there is a there is a numerical value for my for my uh, for my allegiance to any side, and it's uh, it's shockingly how low it actually would be. <laughs> like, it wouldn't it's, it wouldn't be even that much. Eight bucks. Yeah, um, yeah eight bucks. Uh, uh, tank of gas. Oh, hey, um, eight, no, I didn't say eight thousand. Hey, man, I didn't I didn't say it was like you know that cheap. I was. Trying to stay up with inflation, ladies and gentlemen, madams and messieurs, welcome to a new friend or fed episode. Uh, we are joined this week by Mike Corbell, the Invictus Mind, and my valiant co-host of the weekly show, Mark Aaron. Uh, we are here to answer the question uh, that is pressing on everyone's mind: Jordan P. Peterson, is he a friend or is he a fed? Gentlemen, say hi. Hello. What's up, Jason? Hi, Mark. Hi, everybody. Um, so let's do some definitional terms here before we get into it. Uh, last time we did this was with uh, Caleb Brown and Carlos from Los Libertinos. Uh, we did this one for uh, Curtis Yarvin, which is more of a kind of we kind of threw that together on the fly. Um, but was was interesting in that conversation, and I think the necessity of these conversations is to examine uh, intellectuals who are who are influential. Uh, and, and are either becoming mainstream or are already mainstream. And Jordan Peterson is definitely, I say what you will about him, but he's mainstream as fuck. So, so the question really is between friend or fed in, def, in definitional terms is a friend in this context would be someone who is encouraging people to think outside of a narrative, think for themselves. Uh, you know, uh, I would consider myself now more firmly in the right wing dissident kind of space. Uh, although I don't think that, Peterson can only be valuable for that space. It can be valuable for anyone who wants to um, question the narrative, let's say. Uh, and then, of course, Fed is, is I'm not saying that, uh, that Jordan is on the payroll of the Fed, but is, 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 is his ideas or is his um, leanings trying to kind of corral people into a Fed-friendly Fed framework, narrative, et cetera? Uh, so that's the question in, in front of us. Uh, I think with the with Peterson more than Yarvin, what's interesting is that uh, you know he's had that coma not too long ago where he was uh, hooked on on, on uh, antidepressants, non benzos exactly, put him into a coma for a bit. He came back and he's a very changed man. So uh, in preparation for this, I got clips, but in preparations, I got a whiteboard. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know how usable this is. Um, Production values, folks. You come from yeah. you come to the conversation, but you stay for the production values. <laughs> we're, uh, we're we're officially Glenn Beck light. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before we start off on this, though, let's go around and uh, and let's say let's see what Jordan Peterson has meant to our lives because I think with between all three of us, uh, we've gone through our phases of of certainly being a big fan. I have. Anyway. Uh, so, Mike, let us all, let us know uh, in fifteen hundred words or less what Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> whatever uh what jordan peterson means to you well jordan peterson needs about uh four inches on my bookshelf right here <laughs> uh, out of the other two hundred and fifty thousand books that i have on my bookshelf i did manage to read a couple of jordan Peter peterson books uh within the last couple of years you know really you mentioned that uh, he was uh definitely more mainstream although i have met several people normies even who've never even heard of dr peterson uh but i, th I think uh for this show, more people will understand who and know who Dr. Peterson is more than Curtis Yarvin. 
And so uh, this should be an interesting conversation. I think that uh, um, I was first introduced to Dr. Peterson, my brother. You know, for some reason, he introduces almost every concept that I get into to me first beforehand. He's kind of on the cutting edge in that regard. But uh, I, I read his first book uh, when it came out back in 2019, maybe 2018. I don't remember the date exactly. I had not heard of him when he uh, first got into the main stage, though. Um, but I would say that I think his book uh, is was brilliantly written, the very first one anyway. The second one, we can get into you know some of the things that uh, I think might have happened since his uh, you know, medication experience. But uh, I didn't care for the second one as much as the first one. But I, I think that there are some brilliant words uh, that he offered. So. Okay. Um, I think for me, I came across him really right when he kind of entered, you know, right when he started getting attention. Um, just because I like anything on YouTube that was shitting on crazy leftists, <laughs> this is like in back in the uh, you know Sargon of Akkad days. Oh yeah, and I just found him to be one of the best sort of like people who actually kind of had a grasp on what was going on in the universities, and that's sort of what got me into this space was you know our kids going to college and coming back with crazy ideas, and I was like, what? where are these ideas coming from? And he was the first person with a kind of cogent understanding and an argument uh, against it and could actually take them on and not be kind of flabbergasted by their, their rhetoric, which I find found most people weren't even aware of the situation at all and what, what they were being taught, what, what it's, what it's motivation was, what it's sort of, um, what the philosophical backing was, what the history of what of it was like, and you know, now I'm a big fan of guys like James Lindsay that are kind of doing the, the, um, uh, what do you call that? Archaeology, I guess, of the, of the, of the, the paradigm. But uh, yeah, Peterson was the first guy who could really sort of diagnose it and take it on. And that's what really brought me to him. Um, I was, I've never been a crazy fan of, of his prescriptions, not the ones he takes, but the ones he uh, gives. <laughs> But I've, I've always liked his critiques. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. I never really went as, as a big fanboy, but I did really appreciate him as someone who, you know, at least stood up for free speech and spoke out against kind of the, some of the stuff that's going on uh, in Canada. So, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one, right? Because <laughs> um, it's not as cut and dry as, as I think some people would like to think it is. Um, and again, it depends on, what, on where you're starting your analysis of Peterson. So we're going to go back to Bill C sixteen, which mm -hmm. I mean, there was, there's, there's Peterson was an entity before that, but you know, really for our for the sake of our conversation, uh, hit the Bill C sixteen uh, protest and uh, his comments on that and everything that came out of that is really what kind of what made him right lost you know, into the spotlight. Yeah. Right. I mean, I got him on Rogan and then when he was on Rogan, it was like, right. So, and I agree with you, like, um, without Peterson, you don't get cat sad. Uh, I mean, he'd be around, but he wouldn't have, I think the same, uh, weight. You don't right. get Lindsay. You don't get, uh, a lot of those people who, who did rose to prominence shortly after Peterson because he led the, he led the vanguard. He led, he opened the door for open criticism of the university system. Uh, specifically in Canada, but I, I would think anywhere in the West as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, Peterson was integral to um, my religious, uh, uh, my 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 abandonment of of atheism and and turn into uh, into um, into into religion. Um, mm -hmm. You know, his his lecture series, his Bible lecture series, was the first thing where I was like, 
it allowed my atheistic mind to go, okay, hang on, right? So maybe maybe this isn't all garbage. You know, like maybe I can look at it in a way that isn't hypercritical and start to in, uh, to look at it as a narrative. And from that standpoint, then I just, you know, then I progress yeah. until, until right. I'm now ortho bro, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Get the whole yeah. bottle. Hey man, uh, I don't do, I don't, I don't do half, I don't do anything half in, half assed. Um, yeah. So, so let's get into it. So Bill C-16, for those who maybe don't know what that all was, uh, the Trudeau government introduced uh, a bill uh, in Parliament, which is changing the, uh, was introducing a new, a, a new interpretation to the uh, Rights and Freedom Act, uh, which was including essentially um, uh, transgender pronouns into the lexicon of, uh, of what we, that we, of what, of what they're calling protected speech. So essentially, if you didn't use someone's pronouns, um, you could essentially go to jail. <laughs> um, you know, you'd be probably in front of a tribunal, probably fined. Uh, and if you didn't pay that fine, I mean, eventually you're going to go to jail. Right. Uh, so Peterson's first step against that was saying that this is, um, uh, uh, I forget the exact term compelled, you used for it, but compelled speech. Compelled speech. Thank you. So it was compelled speech, and unlike where it's like, if you you know you know there's a racist term, don't use a racial slur. It's an only agreed upon term. Now you're being forced to use a term um, in a sort of in, in sort of like in almost in a negative sp space, uh, and that those terms can change any goddamn day they want to, you know, it's, uh, I, I know people who were defending bill 616 was like, it's just two words. It's just they and right. I was like, well, today but there's a few other words too. What's interesting is you mentioned that the negative positive aspect. It's like when, when we all agree socially not to say a word, okay, it's, it's easy to not say a word, but being compelled to say something that you don't want to say that is just absolutely, it blows my mind that that's even like proposed. And you know, I when when was Peterson? When did he do that? Back in 2015, 2016. I mean, that was way before yeah. I think the apparent problem that is everywhere now. Mm -hmm. And so he was he was definitely in a forerunner, like you mentioned, the vanguard. And I was like, what what the heck are they even talking about with pronouns? I mean, <laughs> right? He and she. It's like we've grown up using those words, and now we're forced to say something. I don't even understand why that whole argument even exists. I think it's just stupidity. Yeah, well, I think it's a carry-on of the sort of uh, Shapiro-esque concept of you know negative rights versus positive rights, and when you have that negative rights perspective on the world of like this is what I'm owed instead of the positive rights of this is what was given to me by dint of birth, and then I got to go out and earn anything else. If you take that negative rights perspective and just follow it through to its logical conclusion, you're gonna get to well, I, I'm owed respect, I'm owed you know whatever title, I'm owed all these things, and and uh, obviously. As Jason's pointing out, that's a really scary road to go down because where, where does it end up? And then if, if you're, once you're imposing on people how they must behave, uh, it's a terrifying thing. And this is what really um, was the, it was really frustrating to watch the attacks on Peterson during that time because they were all disingenuous. None of them would actually take on that argument of, listen, this has nothing to do with transgender people. This is about imposing behavior by law. Mm -hmm. And so when they would attack, oh, so you hate trans people. And it's always this sort of, you know, bait and switch or the, you know, the Mott and Bailey thing that, um, uh, that Lindsay describes where they, you know, they come in and they say, oh, this is just to protect trans people. That's, that's the, that's the Bailey. But then the Mott is, oh, no, no, we're, we're deciding what you're allowed to say. And the, the, yeah, you get caught in that, 
the disingenuous argument instead of addressing what they're actually trying to do, which is basically remove your most fundamental right uh, to speak and have an opinion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really but respect Peter's them for standing up for that. And and sorry, I just wanted to add yeah. to it um, what you had mentioned before, Jay, uh, that I really did respect Peterson for was his sort of um, take on Christianity being different. Like you and I, I know me personally, I was a huge Christopher Hitchens fan. I really liked, uh, um, you know, I was big into that sort of, um, I was diehard. Uh, I was a diehard. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I've watched Hitchens. everything he's ever done. Yep. Um, and, uh, um, I guess it's kind of like, uh, the critical theory approach to Christianity where it's like, uh, here's all the ways we can dissect it and, and take it apart and, and point out the, the, the flaws in it. But Peterson was the first person to come around and say, how about just change your perspective on it? Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, obviously things go through, uh, or at least Christianity goes, goes through reforms every so often. And this, he was, I think he is the, the reinterpretation for the modern era of how to take this stuff out of just, uh, you know, the, the, the way of looking at it that made sense 300 years ago doesn't really apply now you know we think differently we the world you know we, we weren't walking around with computers in our pockets during the last reformation and it was time for someone to take it adjust it and make it palatable and understandable to people who grew up in our in our time and that definitely affected me and and uh, brought me back uh, uh to a, a way of, of saying okay how can i look at this and, and take the good out of it instead of just criticizing uh in whatever way I can. So that was really important. I think you made a huge impact there. And, uh, you know, might be one of the people who could save Western uh, Christendom, as it were. Well, you know, that, that I think that is his greatest work, Jason. I mean, yes, I, I did show the two books, the 12 rules or 24 rules, however many there are now. But I think his work on the, on the book of Genesis in the Bible was some of his greatest work ever. And mm-hmm. I, I grew up religious. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm very well versed with the scriptures. But uh, just the psychological approach to to Christianity in general, uh, I think it did wonders. I mean, if you want to start with Fred or foe, that that made a friend of many people who are looking for answers. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, especially after the COVID years, many people are like yourself turning to Orthodox Christianity or other spiritual avenues. I think Jordan Peterson kind of paved the road for that, like you mentioned, because he's like, hey, we can look at these things now that we might have kind of on a surface level understood them from Sunday school. But uh, when you get into the psychological behavioral approach of the scriptures, there's a lot there. And I think it does wonders for people who really understand. It. In fact, even when I go to Sunday school myself, I'll bring up Dr. Peterson in our lesson and people who are not familiar with me, they're like, how did you come up with these ideas in the Bible? I don't understand right. where you get that stuff from. It's like, well, I mean, I heard it from this brilliant doctor who has, has a whole lecture series on them. You should check it out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really evolved. It, it elevated the approach a lot. You know, mine, I went from a man can't live in a fish to, <laughs> to uh, you know, Oh, archetypes. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, that's exactly. Well, I mean, and, and that's, and that's the big thing. Right. And, and I think this is going through up to the coma. Um, what really penetrated through uh, Peterson's work, not just in the Bible series, but I think his critique of the university system and, and, and even society at that time was he's looking at a, at a narrative structure, right? And I think that his, his interest in, in Carl Jung um, and interest in psychoanalysis in, in general, but he, he really went to the heart of the idea, which is this is all based on stories. We're a story-based 
culture. We, right. we always have been, we always will be. You can go back, it's not just Christianity, you can go into myth and mythological, myth, mythological structures. That's how we uh, build and preserve cultures is through narratives. Right. So if you begin to look at the narrative structure and see how you can apply that narrative structure to not just your life, but to everything, then you start to get that more power out of the Bible, which is it's not about, Noah's not about the boat. <laughs> Jonah's right. not about the whale. Yeah. It's not about it's not about the things, right? Which is what Hitchens and Co. Uh, and I'm not even shitting on Hitchens because I think he was necessary at that time to put the ball back into the Christian court and go, you guys have dropped the ball on yeah. multiple occasions. You are not living up to anything that you're that you're saying you're you're, you're doing. You're being uh, you're you're dying on hills that are, are that are dumb. And you have no response for this, right? Like you, you need to at least address the skeletons in your closet that are that are you know spilling out and and killing people, right? Like yeah. uh, to be against uh, condoms. I remember, I always remember that uh, Hitchens <laughs> moment where he where he tore apart the the Archbishop of, of Africa or was, it was South Africa or something like that, where he's like, you know, you're leading. You, 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 your doctrine is leading is leading to an AIDS crisis. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and those are, and I think those are those are decent criticisms to yeah. at least put in the uh, the church's court and go. Do you have an answer for this? Um, yeah, it's, it, that the dogma. Sorry, let me just finish this. The dogma uh, is usually what the, what atheists will attack, but it's not the narrative of the actual religion. And those two things, I think, get thrown out. That's a baby in the bathwater. Uh, kind of kind of situation and yeah i mean peterson was i mean almost single-handedly uh i think had a religious revival um well by allowing people to have a, that bridge between like okay look you don't have to be you don't have to go to church and you don't have to be, you don't have to go get baptized but you can start looking at these things even in a secular way uh differently and i think that leads to post-secular post you know uh post-liberalism kind of kind of framework which which probably wasn't his intention but i mean it's what happened so yeah. you know no i think it's it's kind of a, a necessary evolution i mean the one thing i wish we could have lived to see was um hitchens versus peterson hash it out because harris is just not entertaining for me in any way so i, I didn't mm -hmm. even follow the, the debate series they had but i would, would love to see uh, hitchens and peterson because i think hitchens came along and said like what you guys are doing is garbage. You got to up your game. And then Peterson showed up and was like, okay, here, how's this? You know, well, I, you, I, needed, you needed that critique and then the answer. So I listened to the one, a couple of the interviews between uh, Peterson and uh, I think his name is Bishop Barron mm -hmm. um, or Cardinal Barron. I don't know what his title is exactly. It's Bishop, it's bishop yeah. It's Bishop, yeah. And they were asking why, why church membership is down, you know, because the way churches present the stories, they're just not attractive to people maybe of this particular generation, maybe just because the narrative is lacking and mm -hmm. the lessons are not even drawn out in, uh, in what the churches are teaching, most churches. But mm -hmm. when, you, when you look at it from a narrative perspective, you look at the story and you see, okay, how does this story that took place thousands of years ago, you know, Genesis, who knows, 6,000 years ago, it spanned the time of, of humanity, but it still can be applied to today's circumstances, the way people think, the way people operate, the way people behave has always been the same. And you can see patterns in behavior and, and reactions and actions. And I think it really hones in on that. It's like, okay, why, why is this like you, like you said, Mark, it, you know, it's not about the boat. It's not about the whale. It's, it's, it's about, okay, how does this apply to our life today? 
And I think mm-hmm. that that's really that that made me appreciate even Old Testament more than I ever had from a religious standpoint. Mm-hmm. But the, why why are the churches not uh, you know why are they not filling the seats? Because it's frankly been boring for people. I think. Yeah, no, it, it, the, the, their approach became obsolete. Like it wasn't, it wasn't keeping up with the times. I don't know what that's due to. I think just, you know, the, the not not biological evolution, but societal evolution and the change in culture. And it's just, you know, it just wasn't relevant the way that they were approaching it anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, it needed it needed a, a, a what do you call that a system update reboot two point three point Let's keep moving this along because we, we yeah. can get bogged down <laughs> in this for, for two, three hours. Um, but so far, right? So far, Jordan, friend, friend. right? Yeah. So far, for friend, right? Uh, so then we have Bill 616. We have Joe Rogan. Uh, we have th- uh, him. He joins the IDW, which is a whole show for itself, <laughs> um, and r- writes 13 Rules for Life, the first one, which again, I think is brilliant. I think uh, uh, Clean Your Room as a memeable saying is is so elegantly profound and i think so important especially for younger men and a lot of sorry <laughs> there we go um <laughs> amen it's it's, um, it's morning here don't make me uh, don't yeah. make me pull the whiteboard up um so then because it's, it's it's so profoundly deep and simple that it was funny to watch the critics of him at that time going well this is just everyday wisdom like what is what's interesting about this like okay well if it's such everyday wisdom if you all got, if you all got the, you know this ain't nothing then why aren't you doing it you know and the, and the concept behind clean your room is like clean up your own life uh obey the hierarchy around you where, wherever you are at the t- at this time and get that sorted out before you do anything else right yeah. so if you're if you if you're living in your room and your environment is is chaotic well bring some order to that first and then maintain that for a bit and then go see if you can do your your front yard or your neighborhood or your you know your city or your your state or you know like expand outwards gradually rather than just think you can change the world uh and of course mark and i've talked about this a lot on the show the weekly show which is like look we this is a fallen world you ain't gonna fix nothing <laughs> like you know calm calm your jets man uh you know you can make positive impacts in your own personal life and to people living around you but rid yourself of this fantasy that you're going to fix anything because the chances are any anything you do is going to make things probably a lot worse in ways that you couldn't even possibly imagine because you know yeah the road the road to hell is paved with uh trying to create heaven on earth and i just like it's interesting how you know again perspectives like that i, I really got from peterson this is different way of, of, of seeing okay how does how does responsibility work and and what is what is the earth what is our job here what is our journey here and what has caused the worst atrocities uh, at least of the last century and it really is that mindset of like the group over the individual and and it's interesting to see the um uh, sorry i'm, I'm I'm trying to do one thing at a time here, but I saw even uh, an interview with Sting a couple days ago, and he was like, "We we have to create heaven here now." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh no, no!" Like instantly, I saw the the, the craziness of that, and this this almost a, a, a psychopathy. And it was interesting to see the freak out to Peterson on both the far left and the far right, because they both had the same allergic response to his um, "listen, work on yourself." They're both like, "Oh no, I, I want to." take over the state and force, you know, my whatever 
they wanted they wanted to go immediately to the uh, the the group identity. It's not my deal, you know. Let's blame the other side and and use uh, political power to to try and uh, fix things. And I've got thoughts about uh, both sides of those, but uh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, from a political perspective, I've uh, you know I, I blame it on. Uh, this term as another argument of term uh, the post-libertarian movement right mm -hmm. and uh, you know i've been very apathetic towards politics uh, for a long time but particularly in the last couple of years you know i'm thinking polit there's no political solution for any of the world's problems right and so i think that what a lot of people do especially from you know my perspective coming from a, a libertarian type of background libertarians are well-intentioned right they want to they want to dismantle the government they want to dismantle this institution or that institution and that's one of the rules that jordan peterson said you know be careful of just tearing down institutions that you don't understand why they're there mm -hmm. kind of like chesterton fest right why is there a fence there mm -hmm. but i don't think that going back to clean your room it's like a lot of these people who are quote-unquote political activists they don't have their their shit together but yet they're trying to make a difference in their community, in their world and tear apart the government. It's like, why don't you just like make yourself free first, make mm -hmm. yourself happier first before being upset about what the government is doing to you and putting their thumb. Cause that's what the government does. It's going to government It's going to do whatever. <laughs> and so you know, going to govern. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, and you're not going to change that. I mean, maybe if you get, you know, 50 million votes or 80 million votes or whatever, but good luck. You know, if well, you're I mean, just not is, together, no one's going to follow you. This, this, I mean, this is this basically comes down to hierarchies and why a religious framework really helps with this because it puts things immediately into context. Uh, I was having a conversation with Matt Erickson over on his King Pill Discord. Everyone who isn't part of the King King Pill Discord should go check it out. Uh, his monthly plans are on his uh, subscribe star. So, uh, shilling, not shilling for Matt Erickson, uh, King Pill Discord, check it out. Uh, go give Matt some money and uh, join us in conversations over there. Um, but one of the one of the things that came out of that conversation uh, over a live uh, voice chat uh, there was Matt was trying to put together a thought about um, obeying the hierarchy and what, what that means is like, let's say in a religious context, you don't worry about what the Pope is doing. You know, if you think that the entire, let's say, uh, Roman Catholic Church uh, is corrupt, well, you don't worry about fixing the entire corruption of the Roman Catholic Church. You think of, you worry about fix, fixing the corruption at your level. Like, you go be the best Roman Catholic uh, that you can possibly be and obey the hierarchy completely. You know, mm -hmm. no, realize where you are in that structure and just give yourself completely to that structure and that in, wherever you are on that node. And let that slowly creep up, and and hopefully, what the the idea is is that through more and more people on the bottom being better, let's say Roman Catholics or more perfect Roman Catholics, whatever that is, uh, you begin to affect change at the very top. Uh, and that's that higher hierarchical order. You know what Peterson? Again, good thing, good friend point for Peterson is he brought hierarchies into the conversation. That wasn't really part of the conversation before before Peterson, really. Um, no one was thinking about society, or at least I wasn't thinking about society in that sense. Uh, I remember mm -hmm. uh, getting in conversation with, with friends who were even further to the left than I was at that time about uh, meritocracy and them being wanting to get rid of meritocracy. I'm like, are you 
freaking high like what do you mean like <laughs> we'll just get rid of merit like who needs, we'll who needs just, competency come on yeah fairness, just, just let just let anybody you know hey you're going for a surgery like this guy he's he watched a lot of house i'm sure he's fine like it's just, <laughs> just let, him, let him go like he's look he's a he's a he's a minority person he's a minority status person he's a transgender poc just let him operate on you what's the worst that could happen black come on please um and I, I know that, and I know that sounds silly and 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 comic, but it's not because we're getting into that situation where, like, yeah. we're just letting people do things because they fit into a category, and you're like, oh, here you yeah. go, well, go that's... sit on the board of go sit on the board of directors. What's your qualifications? I'm, you know, a black not, transgender. I'm not white. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm I'm a, not black... a straight white Christian male. So. I'm a black transgender person qualified. in a wheelchair. Perfect. Like, please yeah. run Apple. Like. Uh, yeah. Well, I think Dan so, Peterson Peterson really was the one who kind of blew out the perspective on that critique from the left, where they're you know they're they're spotting a problem and they're they're they think they're diagnosing it by saying, look, there's inequality, that's bad, and it's caused by capitalism. And Peterson was the first one to go, no, it's way bigger than that, it's way deeper than that. You know, I'd never heard of the Pareto distribution principle before, and you know, he said that this this applies to trees and stars and you know, this goes back through all of history, all of evolution, if you think that way. Um, and it's, it's like, it, it's, it's not something the government can fix. It's mm -hmm. something, it's more like, it's, it's a law, you know, like this is something like gravity. You have to come to terms with it and say, okay, how do I, how do we, yeah, it's a feature, you know, not a bug. Know that the, exactly. So stop, you're, you're going to, you, you want to fix, you want to change that, you're going to break everything. So, Maybe don't go down that path. Um, anyways, it's get. I have a, a hard out at twelve, so um, I'm just. I, I just sent the text saying, "How, how long can I?" You got a half what's hour. The, what's, you're, the, you're what's the absolute end? You got twenty um, minutes. So, we're, we're 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 gonna we're gonna get there. We're gonna. Yeah, get let's there. get into okay, let's, to Fed too, because we're we're just gonna. I can just go on for like two hours. So, oh, here's all the good stuff. Mike, do you want to respond to that really quickly, and then we're gonna get to uh, just go to the I next point. I had a thought, but I was interrupted here. So okay, let's let's <laughs> do Peak Peterson. Let's do Peak Peterson. Uh, which is the peak friend Peterson is a Kathy Newman. Remember Kathy Newman? So this is just a little clip. Why should your right to freedom of speech trump a trans person's right not to be offended? Because in order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. I mean, look at the conversation we're having right now. You know, like you're certainly willing to risk offending me in the pursuit of truth. Why should you have the right to do that? It's rather uncomfortable. Well, I'm, I'm very glad I put you on the spot. <laughs> well, I'm very glad that I've well, you get my point. You get my point. It's like you're, you're doing what you should do, which is digging a bit to see what the hell's going on. So and that you, is what you should do. But I, you're exercising you your freedom of speech to certainly risk offending me. And that's fine. I think more power to you as far as I'm concerned. But you haven't sat there and... I'm just, trying, I'm just trying to work that out. I mean... Ha, gotcha. You have got me. You have got me. I'm trying to work that through time. my head. Yeah, yeah. It took a while. It took a while. It did. Okay. Um, that's Peak Peterson, right? That's... Peak friend Peterson is that Kathy Newman interview. Uh, it got shared all over the place. Uh, what was amazing was that Channel 4 thought they had... Because they, they put it out unedited because they thought they had done an amazing job and then of course the rebuttal was like who is this crazy person why she because she came out swinging on him on feminism and all these other things and he just very quietly and very peacefully uh it just kind of shut things down 
Um, there was a one point where he laughed at her, um, which at that point, when this is when the culture war was really heating up, uh, especially against anyone who was even minorly conservative, you didn't see conservatives laughing at liberals. Like if you did, mm-hmm. you got destroyed. Like Milo Annapolis was on the same show mm-hmm. uh, and he did very well. I mean, Milo's whatever, a silly person, but um, but I mean, you know, everyone else just got trashed and Peterson came out of that looking like a star. Uh, so that's so that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, oh, there's a whiteboard. Let me consult the whiteboard for a second. Um, so we have Kathy Newman, right, right, right at the peak, right at the peak, right before the coma. Um, he he went on for a little bit. He would do you know, the Vanity Fair interview. And then there's a really good things. one with uh, British GQ. If you haven't mm. seen that one, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I've but I mean, watched more it like six times. The, more of the same kind of thing and and they got more hostile and he got a bit more defensive mm. um but uh yeah so there we have the kathy newman thing then we have the coma he uh his wife gets uh diagnosed with terminal cancer his daughter was going through some health problems he's on a massive speaking tour book tour uh stress and pressures and so that starts taking goes goes to his doctor gets prescribed uh benzos uh, starts taking those and then cr- freaking crashes uh, to the point where he had to go to Russia to get to get off this stuff. Uh, goes into a coma. Is, is gone for basically a year and a half, almost two years, uh, from like 2019 to basically 2021. Um, uh, and he's you know if you believe everything his daughter was putting out at the time, fighting for his life, mm-hmm. comes back. Uh, and then this, so this is now the, now the more fed part of the, it's almost like a split timeline. Uh, cause he comes back, uh, he starts, come, comes back, starts doing, uh, guest spots on Michaela's, his daughter's podcast. Uh, and I don't know how we all feel about that. Uh, does a, does a really good episode with Pajot, with Jonathan Pajot, uh, starts really leaning to the religious kind of stuff. Uh, but then, um, but then gets into stuff with Kagan and other things. So, without getting too far into it, what are we? What are our thoughts of the new post coma Jordan Peterson in general, Mike? So I, I want to go back to the peak with uh, Kathy Newman because I mean, obviously, we are still waging a cultural war in this. Uh, well, all over the world. I mean, you guys are in different countries than I am, so I only have the American perspective. But, uh, but we're still so, in the West, though. Right. So, I mean, so the weapon of the leftist is shame and guilt. And the defense mechanism of the right is saying, I don't give a shit. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, that's, that's, the, that's really the battle. It's like, okay, you're going to shame me. You're going to guilt me for thinking the way I think, for, you know, believing the way I think, whatever it is, whether it's about feminism or whether it's about, uh, you know, LGBT stuff um, or any of that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, you're going to make me feel bad. And then Peterson's basically saying, well, you know, you have to, in order to think, you have to risk being offensive. Well, yeah, you can offend me all you want, or you can feel offended all you want, but what's the only weapon I have is I don't give a shit. I don't care. I don't care what you think. Too many people don't use that weapon on the right, from the right perspective. You know, they, they try to play this defense game and this, uh, you know, oh, you know, you're shaming me. I better change my ways. And I, and I think, sadly, even though Peterson at his peak was acknowledging that point, he has gone the other direction. He's become 
you know, putting up his defenses and, you know, trying to do what's expedient, not what's right. You know, you know, especially, you know, you mentioned that he was gone for a year and a half under COVID. I mean, we needed somebody mm-hmm. like him saying, hey, this is nonsense. We don't need to follow this stuff. And I know he made some comments about, you know, the mask and, you know, he didn't want to put him on when, on when he was in Canada. And I think that's ultimately why he ended up moving to Nashville. But most of the time, he's just like kind of going along with whatever the government is saying just to kind of be expedient instead of standing up for what's right. And so he's not putting up his shield, his defense saying, I'm not going to take it anymore. And that's that's where his fall is. You know, I don't know exactly the pinpoint time, but it's somewhere along those lines. Well, he was pro-vaccine as well when the, when the COVID stuff came out. He never spoke out against the vaccines. What he ended up speaking out against in general was the way the Trudeau government was handling uh, certain parts of the lockdown, the mandates. Um, but I mean, he never spoke out against vaccines at all, mm-hmm. um, which now, of course, now is proving out to be probably something you should have spoken out against. Yeah. Uh, he did do a lot of good uh, stuff with the truckers, uh, which we can get to um, in, in terms of supporting the truckers for for protesting against Trudeau and stuff like that. I, but but again, this is also on the backdrop, and this I think was the big turning point. Now we see him saying a lot of things, but then doing the opposite. Mm. Uh, so we're seeing him say, that, you know, people should resist these mandates and should fight against the government because Trudeau's evil and all the things that we would agree about. But then goes on a book tour and in theaters that are mandating, uh, they're are requiring uh, proof of vaccine yeah. in order to go in, and he's not canceling any tours. It's not canceling. I think Joe Rogan did. Um, a few other people did. Um, who was like, well, we're not going to perform in, in theaters that are, are requiring this. Uh, but Peterson didn't, right? So there's a formalism break now. Um, before the coma, we can definitely say what he was saying and what he's doing seemed to be in line. At least somewhat. Yeah. As, as, as Well, I mean, as, as much as we can judge, right? In terms of his public persona. Now, post-coma, we see him saying a lot of things and then doing, let's say, things that are just good for Peterson. And again, I don't, I don't necessarily want to judge the man completely on, on making money, but, you know, if you're, if you're saying one thing and doing the other, it kind of feels like it's, there's, a, uh, there's something that's not authentic now anymore. And yes. you're doing, which, good. Definitely, uh, you know, some what seems like hypocrisy, but it's if, if you follow sort of it, I wasn't really surprised by it at all. For me, it kind of fell in line with how he's been his entire career. I mean, this is, if you want, if we can start with the uh, fed criticism, I mean, this is someone, I mean, I kind of have a shared history with him. He's from Alberta. I'm from Saskatchewan. He was a socialist. I was a socialist, you know, I have very similar ways of growing up. And I, I, I really understand the, perspective he has because it's very or at least it was 30 years ago it's very prominent there this trust in the benevolence of government and institutions i mean saskatchewan we have uh our there's only one insurance it's saskatchewan general insurance you want a telephone a telephone you go to saskatchewan telephones and there's still these structures of having been a socialist state for 70 years that that mentality is very hard ingrained in the people there and 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 alberta is a little a little bit more right-wing but they have a you know they're they they go back and forth between the ndp which is our socialist party and the conservatives and you know it's very very sort of bipolar uh, areas um and peterson had worked for the ndp he went on from there to work with the united nations drawing up some of what would end up being agenda 21 and he did it with his this 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 perspective of 
good governance can save people. I've got obviously being like Mike, uh, you know, I, I went from social, I went, you know, bipolar, I went from socialist to libertarian and, uh, you know, obviously have more critiques of government, but um, yeah, Peterson's always had that, 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 that side of him. And even if you look at interviews where um, like the criticism of him from the alt-right has always been kind of that he's, he's there and he's stated this as his goal is to stop, the right wing from getting involved in identity politics, you know, and I've, I've, I've seen the, 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 the criticism of him saying like, he's, he's the guy who's here to hold the hands of the straight white men as we go quietly into that long night, you know, and he's the one saying, Oh no, no, just focus on yourself and don't get involved. And, you know, just, just kind of ignore the decline of Western. So even though, even though he's saving Western civilization, he's kind of saying, yeah, but don't, do anything about it just focus on yourself and and let the government you know whatever so yeah it 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 even though his his disappearance his radio silence seemed very coincidental to the rise of the covid regime and someone who is supposed to have this great history of studying uh, the soviets and and in tyrannical governments at the was as our government goes tyrannical is radio silence from from the guy who's supposed to be the bulwark against this kind of stuff you know, Mark, are you are you offering the possibility that that his entire coma thing was all BS? Um, he he does lie about many things, <laughs> so I'm. It's not I impossible. I will put him to that fire, but uh, you know, Peterson. I think a lot of people on the right think that Peterson was this radical thinker, and, and he, in many ways, he was. But he's always been a political moderate. I mean, in his lectures, if you l really listen to him, he always talks about the need for the left and the need for the right. Mm -hmm. You know, the left obviously wants to get rid of the right. The right wants to get rid of the left. And Peterson's always like, it's like the yin and the yang thing. You always mm -hmm. you got to have one balance the other, right? Chaos and order have to balance each other. And so he's he's not exactly you know he's he's not going to be found on a dissident right as you said earlier jason he's he's not he's not a radical anarchist libertarian it's this he's never yeah. been that way yeah. he, but he's you know he, in many ways he's trying to help people understand that you know yeah there's good parts about the right there's bad parts about the right and there's good parts about the left and bad parts and they have to kind of weigh each other out the problem is well, that we, it, as you mentioned everything's going tyrannical so like those of us on the right are like well why isn't this guy saying anything well he's never really been that person to to, to lead the charge yeah. on the anarchy libertarian perspective no no and fair enough right but but fair enough but now he's what he's doing is, is especially now he's he's got his own podcast before he was appearing on podcasts he had his own you bring a gone guest on his own show occasionally but it was kind of sporadic it was mostly like idws and very boomer boomer safe centralist kind of stuff mm -hmm. now he's bringing on guys like frederick kagan uh who's speaking out against the giving his opinions about the uh ukrainian russian uh, engagement uh kagan is a guy um who talked to george w bush and got bush to do the surge in afghanistan like this is a he's a pro-military war hawk who's been wrong on pretty much everything possible and he has he brings him on the show twice uh possibly in three times i'm not sure i know there's at least twice one for one one main main interview and one, another one is, is a is a sort of a backup rebuttal. I don't know whatever. Um, I've only watched one, and 
it's if you listen to it, I have a clip for it, but I know Mark, you need to get out of here, so we'll we'll skip that. I've got an extra uh, ten minutes, so we can go. Till, okay. I can go till ten past quarter past something like that. Uh, and also, I, I, Josiah, who I originally invited to be on the show, uh, couldn't couldn't be on for uh, scheduling uh, issues, but so I think I'm going to save the Kagan thing specifically to to do a show with him about that because he's been very vocal about it. Um, but you start seeing things like that, and you go, "Huh, okay, mm-hmm. that's weird," because uh, Kagan is a spook as as spook can be. And then you see him uh, uh, basically throw his support behind Pierre uh, and Mark. Oh, yeah. Correct me on this name. Poliev. Yeah, Poliev. Poliev. Uh, who is in the front running to be the new Canadian uh, Conservative leader and quite possibly Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, now just just this week, this 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 week. Uh, so I found that this this uh, having him as a subject was apropos. He's thrown his support behind Matthew McConaughey. He had Matthew on when he's doing his book tour. Um, and of course, now has come out and said on a tweet, you know, after Matthew did the whole speech about uh, gun. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, exactly. Or don't, whatever. Don't, don't, don't sugarcoat it. <laughs> Taking yeah. your rights. Well, I, I have to yeah. interject here because, you know, I didn't hear Matthew McConaughey's speech. But I did listen to Dave Smith's podcast, and you know, a lot of people are accusing McConaughey for being all anti-gun and all this stuff. If you listen to the speech that he gave at the White House, it's a whole bunch of nothing. There's like nothing there. He didn't even come out and say anything about gun laws or red red flags. No, laws. no, he, people, he did, he did. Uh, at least I, not from I what I heard from from Dave Smith's show, but it was like a whole bunch of nothing from what I heard. Yeah, yeah well, Dave, 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 Dave deserves his own friend, friend, friend or Fed show. That's an upcoming <laughs> yeah, show. So. So. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Um, no, because I listened to that episode uh, of Dave's show as well, and they they were given the wrong clip. Like they only had a portion of it. Because really? Okay. Yeah, there's a whole piece in the middle where he comes out like. And, and it's funny we we touched on this briefly on our uh, show sense. because he Common starts he starts with right. like all the all of the things from the right they're like we got to fix our communities we got to go back to our values blah 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 and we need red flag laws we need background okay. checks we need blah 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 and list all the stuff from the left so he's doing that that classic like he's trying to be that the, the, the sensible liberal or the the liberal you know he's that middle of the road very Petersony please both sides uh, thing where he's saying both critiques and saying we need we need both of them which again like i said before i'm it, I, it, if if that's the a lesser of two evils i'm i'm not uh, going to cry about it cuz i i i do agree that we need the left and the right perspective and we we are there to kind of balance each other and find that middle road where we hopefully don't end up in utter destruction well, Cyprian well, came out and said some things about Matthew McConaughey when the whole thing was going down. And, you know, he's like, oh, do you think I was crazy when I was talking about this a year ago? So, I, I don't know. I'd love to have a conversation about uh, about that guy, Cyprian. But, uh, you know, as far as Peterson backing <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, you know, he comes out and says, well, this is what a real politician should sound like which obviously is going to upset a lot of people. But if you look at the, the, the people that we have in power now, I half agree with Peterson that at least somebody who's who can speak eloquently is probably it's better than what we have the bumbling all. idiots. Yeah, like someone yeah, with, I mean, that's with the a Trojan vocabulary, horse. A vocabulary over like twelve. But that's a Trojan so horse. I mean, Peterson. Peterson came out and basically said, uh, "You know, wouldn't you? You know, after he 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 reposted McConaughey's speech uh, and said, you know, wouldn't you want uh, a politician to sound like this?'" It's like no, no, it's terrifying <laughs> because yeah. we we had a politician who sounded like that. His name was Barack Hussein Obama, yeah. and led to Libya, uh, led to uh, horrible things in Syria, led to uh, blacklisting poli- uh, uh, journalists and all the rest of it. 
because look, having a smooth talker in an office is not the it's it's not the presentation. Like if right. we're, if we're just down to like who's who's more presentable, who can play who can play president better? Well, fuck it. Any any t- take your fucking pick, right? I'll do it. Whatever, well, right? But that is kind um, of the game. I mean, fix the, my tooth and all. Reagan, you know that, yeah. that that's that's what they've been doing for a long time. But yeah, I'd I'd much rather have a a buffoon in there who <laughs> people are going to hate than a smooth talking, eloquent, slimy. Uh, guy that'll you know be bombing however many countries and 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 even like Dave Smith's critique of McConaughey's speech was like I personally agree 100% it was disgusting to mm-hmm. come out and and have these this this the emotional shoes. emotional manipulation you know it's uh, even the, it's like um, Shapiro's critique of, of that uh, who's that British guy he says you know you're standing on the graves of dead children and pushing. To, for your pol- to push your policy requests like it's 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 disgusting it's gross it's manipulative and uh no i'm not impressed by it yeah let me get on the record to say that I, i'm not supporting anybody like a mcconaughey or anything like that and I, I i do get your your point we don't need a smooth talking person i just thought it was it was interesting that he said that because uh, i saw a clip the other day about just Joe Biden just you know being a bubbly, bumbling idiot, but uh, yeah, I do uh, I do agree that we we don't I think that in some ways McConaughey is a dark horse or a Trojan horse, and and it, it makes me question why Peterson would like would say what he did. So that's mm-hmm. more on the on the Fed side of things, I think, which what oh, you're alluding I mean, to. Because I mean, because Peter, because McConaughey at least is presenting the formal presentation of McConaughey is sort of like a moderate cent- centrist, a bit of a tradcon. Right, uh, he's he's yeah. nominally Christian, uh, lives in Texas, uh, you know, relatively. Uh, uh, he's I think he's got at least two kids. Um, is you don't have a lot of drama about his family. There's no, I mean, he's he smoked pot in the past or did mushrooms or some stuff, but like, yeah, it's minor. Like, I mean, really, at this point, like. You know, you have Joe Biden's son smoking crack on and 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 having pedophile sex with with, with people. <laughs> like it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, some mushrooms. That's it's, it's almost <laughs> exactly. feels quaint, really, at this point. Yeah, but, you know. but he's like that classic sort of uh, lefty libertarian light. You know, like I kind of want to do whatever I want and smoke some drugs and whatever, and you know, we just need good governance. Very, very similar to Peterson, and I, I don't really see it as hypocritical of Peterson to be pushing a character like this, because, like I said, if you look back, he's never hid the fact that he is uh, a centrist. Like he, Peterson's whole perspective is, it's when we go too far to the left or to the right, because again, well, I don't necessarily agree that he 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 does. He puts the Nazis on the right, and we could get into that whole philosophy uh, for a while. But he he sees that it's the extremes is where we end up um, with genocides and gulags. So we need the center. We need the center. We need the center. And that's been the pushback from both sides uh, against him is is that he's a classic moderate. And I think people it's it's really tough in today's climate for people to. Uh, deal with that because we're so embattled we're you know it's it's really hard for every, myself and everyone i know to not just go right to one extreme or the other and uh I, so that is my criticism of him but it's also uh, i don't know for sure that he's not more right than than i am or you know even that i totally disagree so well i think uh, and mike so i'll, I'll let you uh respond to that in a second i think now that the post coma peterson what he's basically set himself up as he's not being represented by caa which is interesting um he's not anymore 
No, he is. Okay. And and I'll, I'll, I'll do a screenshot of that just to see who else is being represented by CA for speakers. Mm. Um, but he, I think he's being set up now as Clinton. one of the gatekeepers. Uh, well, a few. Pretty sure. Yeah. Um, uh, standard list of people. Um, he's now being set up as, as a gatekeeper for the right. Uh, he can christen people. Uh, he can basically mm. say, you know what? Because uh, he's he's obviously viewed as a right winger. He's obviously viewed as a, as a conservative or a traditionalist. Uh, he obviously has an influence over those communities, uh, you know, for for better or worse or or whatever. And he can now funnel people to say, "Hey, you know," because you're you're seeing bipartisan support uh, for McConaughey. Uh, just just uh, just read what Jonathan Hemingway said. Um, Peterson's blind spot is that he can't see the West is is as or more tyrannical as the fascist communist regimes he critiques. He comes from the presumption that liberalism is ideal, uh, which is, yeah, I, I agree completely. Yeah. Uh, the, the biggest problem facing us, um, and this is where my right-wing dissident stuff comes in, is that liberalism itself needs to be viewed as the problem. And fascism, communism, liberal democracy, all those different functions are all under that heading of, of liberalism. Mm-hmm. So, if you can't start to extract yourself a little bit and start seeing it as this is a, a gigantic issue that you can't, you can't correct liberalism with more liberalism. Yeah. This idea that, well, if we just get some nominally traditional con- conservatives in, in office, that things will just write themselves is laughable at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're it, 70, 80 years beyond uh, even, even where a place where, whether that even ever works or it, it is, is liberalism always doomed to, uh, you know, eat itself? Probably, but you know, if there if there was a time when we could have corrected course, we're far beyond that now. I mean, we're we're halfway into the Great Reset, guys. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's that, that could be a two hour conversation about liberalism. Obviously, that's that's kind of been the zeitgeist for the last uh, year and a half. I think just among podcasters that I listen to is is this whole you know post enlightenment kind of era thing. Um, but, you know, Peterson still has his quips out there that piss off the left and it kind of makes me laugh. I mean, you think about the Sports Illustrated thing that came out, you know, <laughs> when he's like, oh, it's not beautiful and no amount of tyrannical whatever is going to make me change my mind. I was like, that was kind of a weird comment, but it, it cracked me up because of the reactions that got to it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know if I would categorize Peterson fully on friend or fed. I know that's what we're trying to wrap up with here, but uh, he uh, <laughs> he certainly has his moments. Let's put it that way. Well, yeah, because and also here's the thing, right? Um, when we're talking about him not being Peterson anymore, after this comment, which if uh, anyone's doing the visual uh, audio podcast, he came out with a tweet uh, with the national. So, Swimsuit Illustrated put a overweight uh, model on the on the on the cover. Uh, his response was, "Sorry, not beautiful. No, and no amount of authoritarian tolerance is going to change that." Uh, he took a massive amount of blowback on this one. Uh, yeah. As you would expect, Under, and, understandably, I think. Yeah, well, of course, <laughs> and it's 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 a, it's a kind of a it's a spicy ass tweet, man. <laughs> like when I was read, I'm like, Jesus Christ, yeah. Know, that's, it's well, 2021, my friend. Like, what are you what are you doing? Um, but he does this, and then he says, "I'm backing away from Twitter." So he says that he's backing away from Twitter, but his Twitter never calmed down. So it's obvious that he's got someone, possibly his son, who who I think manages a lot of his, his social media. Uh, running things and saying things without without him around, and that's apparent because because there seems to be two or three or There's four different kind of Peterson going on. Yeah. 
little bit, right? Um, this is very Peterson. Like this is, uh, I have no doubt that he wrote this, um, <laughs> which is awesome because because. Well, uh, sorry if I could jump in. Like, I'm kind of this yeah. one kind of annoyed me because there is a lot of stuff about the body positivity movement that's absolutely gross, and I think mm -hmm. very unhealthy and very detrimental, especially to young women. Um, but this one wasn't the hill to die on. Like that that like that's the average woman. Like that's not yeah. a if, if there is like there's some real there's if you, if you're gonna pick this battle you better goddamn get it right mm. and he fucked up uh, big time on this one yeah if she was like three hundred if she was if she was like three hundred fifty pounds oh okay but like, he, he, like, he walked right into the trap of the body positivity movement which is going and calling what is a, a objectively attractive woman gross and that yeah. was just really dumb in my opinion. Mike, no further comment. No, she's eh? gross. She's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my wife's not on uh, Sports Illustrated magazine, so you know, no matter which category you want to put her in, so it gives me hope to be on Men's Health magazine someday, yeah. just like with my dad bought hanging out I'm like, hey, with a beard, like, okay, we're doing this now, are we? All right, all right. Hey, body positive, man. Look at game. Look at my man titties. Uh, Faith Liberty Praxis Caleb says, the problem with Peterson is he plays the leftist game. He says the market is pretty egalitarian. He speaks leftist words for right-wing things. Yes. Uh, and this is kind of getting to the heart of the thing. Uh, so I would certainly think we're getting into more of the Peterson is at least currently a Fed where he's feeding right-wing dissident energy uh, into, I wouldn't say pro-leftist, uh, but certainly, Mike, can you move, just move the camera, move your mic away a bit from your mouth? Yeah, sorry. That's okay. Um, uh, you're breathing heavy over my words, man. It's making me, it's getting me hot. Uh, so we're definitely getting to more of the Fed, uh, Fed criticism of, of Peterson, where he's funneling now that right-wing uh, energy into a more Fed-friendly Fed narrative, which I don't think is actually left or right. It's just simply what. Yeah, no, it's status, quo. It's, it's status quo. it's Status quo. Consensus. Like, let's, exactly. Let's, let's keep this system that's in place functioning as long as we can, and um, that, so that there from that perspective, hundred percent a Fed. If you want to, if you, if you, it depends how you define Fed, right? But if we are saying the Fed is the existing system, call it liberalism, call it just corruption, times whatever. You know, if you were hoping that he was going to be a, a, a um, as as sharp in his critique of that as he is in his critique of the what he calls the uh, the postmodern, what does he call him? The um, postmodernist, yeah, yeah, the 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 Marxist postmodernist. He's, he's bang on there, but when it comes to critiquing uh, our current uh, system, no, he's he's there to support it. He's there to rein in. The, the crazies on either side and say like no let's all come together and uh, put another Obama in place and just don't rock the boat you know which is why he's always and, and he, like I said he's open with it and that's why he's kind of flabbergasted of like why is the establishment attacking me when I'm here to support them he does he's, he doesn't grasp it and I don't either you know whether it's a you know a, a kind of a fake attack in order to get well I don't think they're attacking him anymore that, that's the whole thing I mean that that tweet obviously had a lot of blowback, but I don't think he's they're, they're attacking him on his general message. Again, he's being represented by CAA, which is a massive... Here, I'll do this one. Hang on. Uh, I'll do this, and then we'll get to final thoughts. Um, but yeah, here's CAA. CAA is the most powerful thing in the entertainment industry, is this agency. It's, 
it's absolutely huge. I I heard about it and then I looked up and I was like, well, who the fuck is being represented by CA? Oh, everybody. Mm-hmm. Trevor mm-hmm. Noah, Van Jones. Hang on. Find your speakers. So these are these are just a list of people you can hire. Uh, Peterson's going rates right now between seventy five thousand and one hundred and twenty five thousand or one hundred fifty thousand dollars per speaking uh, engagement. Uh, but Amal Clooney, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure her husband is on there. Andrew Garfield. I mean, I don't know what Andrew would fucking say. Well, no, no, because uh, they their their main thing is actors. Look right, at the actors. They do all of Hollywood, but then they they do politicians. I, I swear, I'm I know Hillary was there at one point. I'm, I'm know, sure she searcher. still is. Like, I mean, so they do everyone that matters. Hillary. That's matters is in quotations. Yeah, I was going to question that because none of those people matter a day, a dime yeah, to me. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's inter- I never heard of the CAA thing, but yeah, uh, just, just looking at some of these. Agency. Yeah, looking at some uh, of these people, it's like, yeah, these are as mainstream as you can get. Yeah. And some of the thinkers that I would be attracted to listening to are not on that list. Oh no, they're they're, they're never going to be on. These guys are the gatekeepers for the 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 you know uh, the zeitgeist. Yeah, and so just that alone, uh, I mean, Fed all the way. Like that change. Like Pretty that's. Much. I mean, my, here's my Fed vote because if you're part of a a representation who's still representing you and is representing Bill Maher and everyone else. Do you th- honestly think you're going to have a, a huge amount of difference opinions from one major, one major uh, actors union, quote unquote actors union, who's just giving you fucking scripts. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is good. This gets to Kagan. Like why the fuck is Frederick Kagan on, on Jordan Peterson's podcast? Like where the fuck is that coming from? And you're like, yeah. Oh, Oh, I know why. Cause Kagan is the official voice of the wartime narrative. Here's the things you need to think about. When you hear Russian Ukraine, that's all you think about, right? And he, he goes as far as to say, like it's it's only one side that, that to blame here. It's only Russia to blame here. It's no, it's no one else wow. from 2014 on. And you're like, really? Nobody else? No, I mean, nobody? Like, okay. <laughs> and yeah. this that, is now... That video you saw of Biden laughing about taunting Russia into war? Never happened. Never have. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, Biden being involved in Ukraine back in from like 10 years or eight years when he was vice president, vice president, never happened. Like, just ignore that completely. It's just uh, whizzles, wazzles, fugazi. Like, uh, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get final thoughts here. We'll wrap it up because uh, I know everyone needs to go. But, uh, I mean, my personal vote is is fed. Uh, I think we've nailed it down. Yeah, I think we've gotten to the point where I I don't like it's it's uh, there's no there's no real debate left uh, for me anyways. So definitely has its positives. Like, listen, I'm not gonna um, I don't I'm not here to tear the guy down, but you know, again, I, I put I, I have a system where I, I see people for what they are, who they are, appreciate them for their goods, put them in the category where they need to be. And don't don't expect them to be someone that they're not. Dead. Yeah, I I agree, I agree with that. I mean, obviously the the point of your show, Fred, friend or Fed, is catered towards a specific audience, and I think that we're all obviously in line with that kind of thinking. And uh, from that perspective, yeah, he he wants to maintain the status quo. He wants to keep this idea of liberalism. He doesn't want to he doesn't want to rock the boat. All those things that were said already, I think that would make him a fed from this perspective. But I think that he has offered so many great things to people that he's still kind of, he's got, he's got his left foot in friend and 
right foot and fed or something like that. You know, it's, 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 I can't label him one or the other because he, he's contributed a lot. And I think that a lot of people, even in our perspective, would lack much if, if he wasn't there in the first place. Yeah, so yeah, where he goes from now, I don't know. But, you know, he's just another character who has a voice in this massive influx of information in the world we have. Yeah. Can we go with friend and fed? <laughs> friend of me? Yeah, friend of me. Previous friend. You know, he's he's the friend that we used to know. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I again, I think I, I, we've we spent 20, 30 minutes singing the praises of Jordan Peterson. So uh, obviously, uh, we're not coming from a completely hyper biased point of view. Um, uh, the only thing I would say now is that if you're funneling people's energies, which should be, I, I think, the, the most worthy way of doing this isn't just be like your anti-Trudeau vote, vote conservative. It's like if you're anti-Trudeau, you got to start thinking about the, the entire system. Like, because it's not just about Trudeau. You put Pierre in there, wait eight, wait eight years, you're going you're gonna to have the exact same results. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, conservative uh, politicians in Canada were voting for the lockdowns too. Like, uh, Ontario has, you know, on, Ontario. Uh, some Quebec. of the worst. Exactly. Ontario and Quebec are both, are both far right. Uh, provincially, and they were the worst places on earth. So, yeah. So, so to, to think that to keep returning back to this idea that that you know the conservative politicians are going to save your ass is like based on what? what what principles are they are they really adhering to? And, I'm, and look, I'm not throwing in Pierre under the bus because I don't know. We haven't seen him do anything really yet. Oh, I can uh, throw him under just, the bus. No, I mean, this is the guy who apparently doesn't. This this is uh, there's a sort of activist here named Mike Friesen. I'm pretty sure that's the guy who went up to uh, Polyev at one of his last meetings and said, "What's your opinion on the UN's SDGs?" And he said he he doesn't know what those are. Oh yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. the new one. Yeah, Yeah. come on, you're the finance guy, and you don't know the SDGs. Yeah, what the what the. So credit credit scores, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, what is that's, uh, some, that's some conspiracy theory thing that's <laughs> all over the news everywhere we look. Oh, it's tr- Trudeau is has I've, I can sh- find you speeches in Parliament where Trudeau is talking about the Canadian government's his government's priority to meet the SDGs, and he uses yeah. that term. And Polyev is his number one critic, and he doesn't know the guy's whole what his whole deal is. Come on, like you don't know you don't know what uh, ESG are either. I suppose. Okay. Suspicious. Mike, any final thoughts? Well, I was just thinking, I mean, obviously we can talk about politics all the time, but uh, I think the general consensus from my perspective is that politics is just not the answer. And I think that the world needs to be changed from the cultural perspective and voices like Jordan Peterson, who can have a rational impact to the culture, I think will, you know, again, not support, not uh, supporting any of his left-leaning political ideas. I don't know if I want to keep status quo, but I certainly don't want civil war. Right. And so, uh, you know, my, my perspective is we need to we need to change the culture. We need to change ideas. We need we need to welcome ideas that are conflicting. Because, you know, I think that chaos, the absence of some kind of order is is the most destructive thing that we can be seeing. And I don't I have a family. I don't want to see that in my lifetime, whether the world is heading that way or not. I think we need some rationality and some reasonable discussion and discourse. And so, you know, I I guess I'll probably in that perspective, I'm going to lead him more towards friend because I think we need voices like that, even though the libertarian part of me says, yeah, he's he's maintaining this system. So. 
again, I don't really have any which way that I'm going to put them in, but I think that culture is the most important thing that we should be paying attention to. And we need more voices out there who are going to talk about things that are important because at the end of the day, the culture, the, the, the things that people think, the people that they say, you know, it doesn't matter who the politician is, whether it's Biden or Obama or, or Trudeau, because if we're living in this liberal world, the people's voice, you know, are going to put the guys in power with they, whatever they want. We, you know, we can have tyrannical government, but people want that stuff. So we got to attack why people want that stuff more than we can attack just the government. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Or on that note, I got to go. Right. Okay. Yeah. Take easy, buddy. Mike, yeah. thanks for coming on. This is this is awesome. Uh, hopefully, we can do more of these. Absolutely. Times. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Right, guys. Love you, bud. Okay, folks. Mike, I'm going to pass you the mic to to uh, to uh, tell everyone where they can find you, where what you're doing these days. Uh, Shill for yourself, my friend. <laughs> well, I I have my hand in a number of cookie jars, uh, but most likely you'll find me on Twitter under the Invictus Mind. Mike Corbell's my name. I have a podcast called The Invictus Mind. It's on all the channels. My YouTube is on uh, just under my name, Mike Corbell. So I'm not as consistent as I like to be, but uh, I do like to you know let my opinions be shared once in a while. So just finding Invictus mind or my name and just by any channel, you'll find something I put out. I put a link to uh, Mike's, uh, what is it called? The, uh, your, your general link, your linkitude, <laughs> your list of linkitudes. Link tree. Yeah. There you go. Link trees uh, down below in the comment and the, uh, the description. So uh, please go over and subscribe and, and share Mike. Mike, uh, Mike stuff is amazing. Uh, you guys got a taste of it today, and uh, and he's someone who should have a bigger voice out there. So if you like this stuff, please like and subscribe and share Mike's stuff, uh, and do the same for us. Uh, like, subscribe, sh- uh, share, subscribe, comment. Uh, let us know uh, if you think Jordan Peterson is a friend or Fred, fe- a friend or Fed. Man, I'm not even drunk; I'm just tired. Uh, <laughs> please comment on the section below. Uh, we're trying to get to a thousand subscribers by the end of the year, because why not? seems like a nice nice round number to hope for uh i think if you know we're gonna get booted off youtube we might as well hit a milestone before we do uh thank you mike uh it was always a pleasure uh we will talk to you folks again uh look out for uh, i'll put the um uh a uh a poll out there in the next few days uh looking for the next episode uh looking either like to, uh, maybe the wine signs weinstein brothers uh or elon musk or a few others so uh yeah that's it thanks a lot guys appreciate it thanks jason and broadcast